Welcome, everybody. This is the Script to Screen podcast with your host, Ken Carey, where three decades of proven experience has launched products, built brands, and generated profits. These are the stories behind the businesses that have been built. My name is Ken Carey, and I'm with Greg Cinnamon Cinnamon. of Adcology. And I'm really excited about this episode today because we actually, we've known each other through businesses, right. through the business world for several years. And I was excited that we got connected because um, I'll let Greg talk about adcology and what it mean, what that means to the direct response business in terms of radio, because it's very impressive what um, their company does. So as usual, I, I just want to bring a lot of value to the people who listen to our podcast and that we ended up doing business with. And all the ways and all the triggers and all the levers you can pull to make direct response even more effective today than it ever has been. Because as you know, it's so multi-channel. It's, you got to be everywhere. I always talk about you have to be everywhere the consumer is in their journey throughout the day. True. And whether it's on the phone, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on television or whether it's on Netflix, you got to be where they're, they're at or even YouTube for that matter. So, so great. Tell, first of all, Tell me a little bit about your background because I think your background is extremely interesting and it all feeds into adcology and I think your unique selling proposition or unique position from the company. Sure, thank you. Um, it's a little, it's a little schizophrenic, <laughs> yeah. Right, and being being a shrink, it's you know maybe maybe that's the best place to label it is. Um, I uh, I went into the field of psychology thinking I wanted to sit in an office and see patients for eight to ten hours a day. That was a big mistake because I think you and I are about equally ADD, yeah. right? And and so sitting in an office for eight hours. So 9.30, you're already bumping up the walls. Exactly. I, I need to medicate myself. The patients are fine. I need I need the meds. Right. Um, and and so I started looking for something else to diversify. And and I'm a radio junkie. Always been a radio junkie. And And so the clinic that I worked had a radio show. And so several of the psychologists would, would go through the radio show and they did a great job a couple hours a day. Mm-hmm. And, and I w- just out of curiosity, when yeah. was that? Um, 92, 93-ish. So think about that. That yeah. is like, that's like podcasting today. They had a radio show yeah. and it's just, it was like really forward thinking if you think about it. It was, right? Yeah. And podcasts actually started when around the 80s, yeah. right? I mean, everybody thinks it's a, it's a, it's a new flavor of the day and it's uh-huh. not, right? Uh-huh. So, so the interesting thing about... Um, deciding I wanted to get into the the radio side because I loved filling in. So when one of the psychologists couldn't get into the radio show, oh. they'd go tap me and go, hey, Junior, you know, <laughs> come, come in and bring, talk to you. Right. Bring your less than psychology skills into the show and, and talk and talk to people for a couple hours. I loved it. So then I, I got offered a radio show in L.A. And so it was a four hour show. So I would see patients in the morning. I would prep for my show and then go run through the show for four hours and then go see a couple patients at night. And it was then during the radio show. So, you know, if you kind of get in the mindset of you got you got a guy seeing patients embedded in psychology um, in the morning and then I go do a radio show and then I go see patients. And I started to get this sense of psychology transcends everything that we're doing. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then everything on the radio side was psychology. And so I would have, um, you know, a certain number of sponsors. I would have ad um, sales guys coming in and bringing prospective clients in and going, hey, what do you think of this? Can you endorse this? You know, would you go out and meet with these clients? Can you do this? Ah. Okay. I would see ad copy coming in to the to the the studio that you're expected to read, and I don't I don't mean this to sound mean or cold. You weren't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it, right? <laughs> and so you start to go, well, who's writing the ad copy? Right. And and they go, well, this intern over here is writing the ad copy. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, why would you have the most junior guy? writing ad copy and people are spending tens of thousands of dollars. Important revenue generators of the business. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you guys get it because, yeah. I mean, you do, you do, you know, I'm a fan of your TV stuff and a lot of what you do and your, your copy is just above excellent. So you, you're welcome, but you've got these, you know, guys writing copy. And so after a very short period of time, the shrink in me, right? The, you know, the therapist is looking at this going, this client's going to fail in the first week. This client's going to maybe make it. This client's going to be wildly successful. And here's the psychology of why they're going to fail, why they may make it, and why they're going to be wildly based successful. Based on what you're reading on that piece of paper, that's going to be the copy? Thank you, right? It's based on that. Plus, when you get out to meet the client and you're talking to them like we're talking and you're looking in their eyes and you're getting their heart for their business and their passion. And I mean, you were telling me about a client a little earlier and what I, what I love about hearing you talk about a client Mm -hmm. is you get it and not many, not many do. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can look in your eyes and you're telling me what this client does that you just met met with. Mm I know it's going to work because you get it and you're able to, you're able to make that bridge over into what works on creative. What are the shots you're going to have to get? What are the testimonials you're going to need? Who may need to endorse it? And you'll make a winning campaign out of it. But that's years of experience, right? That goes into a campaign, but you got these junior writers cranking out copy in five or 10 minutes and thinking this is going to work. And, and so what you start to see is blowing through clients. Right. Oh, okay. It's like sure. it's like this this treadmill of, well, here's the client this week. Well, what happened to last week's client? Well, they, they failed. and They left. Yeah. Well, what happened to the one before? Well, they failed and left. And so my my perspective as, as a therapist was, well, why don't we take our time? And really understand what this client is all about and go talk to some of their their customers mm-hmm. and get the sense of what this is before we ever bring them to air and waste their money. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of met with, well, no, we don't do it that way. Right. <laughs> and, oh, now we do. <laughs> right. And so I started writing my own copy. And I started interviewing the, the people myself. And the more I did that, the more I realized I can really make these products and services work on radio mm-hmm. in the later podcasts. And so from there, um, I started an ad agency and Adcology is really about the total integration of psychology and advertising in a non-manipulative way. Thank you. Thank you. So, so as you, I love the fact that, cause we do, you know, it's very similar because I always believe that, and my wife and our team here is like, you talk to the customer that's, that's, you know, receiving the benefits from the product or service. They're going to tell you everything you need to put in your ad copy. If you just shut up long enough and (laughs) listen to what they have to say, they'll write it for you, right? (laughs) I mean, you can clean it up a little bit, but they'll write it for you. So they kind of got to that. Oh, it's so true, right? And I, I almost prefer to hear people that don't like the business. 
So we don't like the business. Don't like the business. Like if you if you just look at a, a Yelp or any kind of review, you've got okay. you've got. Oh, I got you. Right. So you've got all these positive. We love this guy. He's the greatest in the world. And this product is the greatest in the world. And you have people who go, I hated this. Well, I want to know why they hated it, because I need to build that resistance in. So Mm -hmm. so here's. Here's let me know if this gets too psycho babbleish, okay? okay? okay. Um, Because I can kind of geek out on this stuff and right. Everything about the selling proposition has to do with approachment and resistance. So what I mean by that, and and you do it instinctively, right? Mm -hmm. But as a therapist, when when you're sitting down with somebody and you're and you're connecting with them for the first time, there is all sorts of data being exchanged without a word being said. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the visual world you guys live in in a lot of your TV stuff. Right. right? You're creating all of this visual data back and forth and nobody's saying anything. Right. So there's resistance. There's like like I've known you a long time. But if if you sit down with somebody and it doesn't click, there's a resistance is starting to form. And it's going to get in the way of everything that you're trying to accomplish with them. Right. I can see that. Right. So you listen to some of these commercials and and if they're. There's a barrier, like some people are just annoying, mm-hmm. right? Or you don't like their voice, or you don't like the way they look on TV, or you don't like them. You know, and so all of these subconscious scripts are going on in people's minds. And you've got to, as a, as a marketer, you have to know what people are thinking about your product and how they're going to perceive you and how they're going to perceive how I'm going to use your product. Mm-hmm. And they will either sell themselves out of the proposition and never want to deal with you, or they'll sell themselves into the proposition if you know what you're saying. Mm. Yeah. I got you. You know, my father-in-law used to say something that I just is stuck with me ever. He said, uh, don't marry my daughter. Was, was, <laughs> was, was, well, he's when he threw the gun, when he <laughs> handed me the gun, he said, it's your choice. Nice, <laughs> nicely done. Right. But he said, he'd always say, cause he was a builder. He was a developer. Yeah. He said, if you build a house that you like, the consumer will recognize it and let you keep it. Huh? Now, if you're a builder, that's not what you want. Huh? You want the house that they like. And if they're telling you things that they don't like, don't put it in the house. Right, or it's, right. It's that kind of re- kind of when you were talking about talking to people who don't like things, but it gives you that insight yeah. of how they can in my in my interpretation of that, it gives you that insight of how they can either talk themselves into something or talk themselves out of it. Exactly. Right. And that's the power of words quite often. So you live in a visual world. Right. I was, just, I was going where you're going. And I live in a word world, right? right. To podcast and, and radio. And so one of the platforms that we built was to scrub every piece of social we can find about a company. Okay. And we're looking for a couple really key things here. One, one is we want positive sentiment and we want negative sentiment. Mm-hmm. And they're both equally valuable because I want to know what they love and what they don't love. But more importantly, I want to know the words they're using to describe what they love and describe what they don't love. Because when we sit down to do scripting for radio, that cream rise to the top. Thank you. Right. You get it. And, And it's, and it's so elementary when you think about it, because if I can know how, a thousand people talk about a product they love and they use a certain number of words this many times, then those words have to get into the creative process to get people invited into, into the sale. Right. Right. And vice versa. If exactly. Somebody, if somebody's saying, 
it's complicated. It's just complicated. And he keeps saying it's complicated. Well, uncomplicate the complicated, right? Yeah. You know, we've got a, we've got a client that we're working with. And so as you're talking about this, you know, it triggers these thoughts. And we're working with this one client and they're great. I, I love them, but they sell, it's a home selling and buying um, service. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of on the new, in the new edge of what's going on out there. Right. And there's about, eight people that run the marketing department of this company and they're so deep into what they're trying to sell. They can't quite get out of their own way. And you bump into that, right? It's like, well, no, we want to say this and we want to say this and we want to say this about it. And then by the time you get done, you have this amalgamation of words and well, we can't forget to say this, not realizing our job isn't to say everything. Our job is to load the funnel with quality people who want the product, right? right? Say what you have to say. When I, when I was on the air, I used to, the guy that was the station owner flew us all, all the DJs and hosts out to, um, to Bluebird, Pennsylvania. And he was kind of a crotchety guy. And, and he sat there and he said, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. Here's what you're going to do in, in, in the creative process. He says, do not ever say more than three things in a commercial and repeat them twice. He says, as soon as you say more than three things, people will forget the first thing you said. Right. And it's, it stuck with me. And I wasn't really that into the, into the whole psychology of the time, but this guy had been around radio since the like 1920s. Right. Right. And he knew instinctively what made radio work. And when you can make radio work, it crushes it. I mean, it is a terrific medium for all sorts of products. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, um, before I ask that question, I just want to, I'm going to say something that I think you'll find interesting is I had a mentor. I, it was a mentor for me. Yeah. And this was a gentleman that you worked for or worked or work with. But the same thing happened to me. Gentleman by the name David Oreck. Oh, yeah. He developed the <laughs> Pioneer, right? Right? Yeah. Exactly. And, and he sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of upright vacuums that looked like dinosaurs. So... <laughs> It wasn't a sexy product, <laughs> right? But it's a vacuum, it was, <laughs> and yeah. it looked ugly. He would say the same thing. Yeah. But the messaging was so on point right. um, when we worked together. And what he would say would, we'd be in this conference room, and there'd be international representatives and brand managers and assistant brand managers and assistant assistant brand managers and everybody in this. And Mr. Orcus sit at the end of the table, and he go, he listened to everybody very cordially, and go. I'm glad we're all here. Here's the one thing that nobody should ever forget. Make her life easier. You make a commercial about that, you'll be all be good. good. Well, this means over. <laughs> and yeah. right? Well, here's, break it down to its lowest, or not its lowest, but its most simplest common denominator. Yes. Thank you. Um, and, and he was a visionary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and here's here's what he knew without saying it in in psych terms. Projected identification. It's called projected identification, which means I have to paint a picture for you that transfers you out of your seat and pulls you into the scene and you see yourself doing this and it makes your life look so inviting and so easy and so much better than it is today that you have to have this product. So I'm, I'm compelling you through visual and words to project yourself into my business. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. It's yours. <laughs> it's yours. So, so, let's, so let's back up and go. So how, when you talk about radio, 
and how that adds another layer to effectiveness to an overall campaign. Because I think that's where we're getting. It, it makes everything work better. Or where were you going with that one? Because I I believe yeah in our world today yeah. that we're so multi-channeled that. You never know when someone's going to wake up in the morning, look at their email, look at their Facebook, look at their Instagram, go to the television, be in drive time radio, come with the kids. They got the Facebook in the, in the middle of the day. They're coming home and they're having dinner with their husband or wife and they're watching a little bit of TV, take the kid. I mean, there's just they've just been on five or six different platforms and they're all – some of them are terrestrial. Some of them are, are new. I mean, or some people just listen to a podcast in a car. Yeah. You know? It's interesting, isn't it? And we're on overload. So here's here's why radio is so intriguing to me and and why I think it works, why I know it works, right? I mean, you, I, we don't have to get into the numbers, right? But radio is a powerful medium. I can tell you that 91% of the population is reached by AM and FM radio. Is 91%. That tells you that it's, that it's got a higher penetration level than almost any other forms of media with right. people. But that's not the real you know, power. Broadband's only 73%. That's interesting. I didn't Broadband's know that. 73%. Interesting. Yeah. That's why you work in your world and, and I'm over here. But I, yeah, I love hearing that. Yeah. So, but here's the power of radio. And, and I think I learned this as a, as a talk show host mm-hmm. is, I don't know why when I said, hey, I'm going to this restaurant over here and we're going to test that tonight. And I don't know why a hundred listeners would show up at that restaurant, right? Because this was all new to me as a host. Mm-hmm. But what I started to figure out is, is that we were bonding yeah. and I was bonding with my audience and my audience tuned into my show partly because I was entertaining them, but I was also saying things that reminded them of them. Right. So if you listen to a particular radio show, the reason you listen to him is because you like the guy, you like the host, you know, he's your friend. In fact, 87% of people who listen to radio say, I think of this DJ or this host as a personal friend. The relationship is the strength and the trust. Yeah. Therefore, when a product is endorsed on that show, the trust and relationship is like, Greg wouldn't steer me wrong. Exactly. If that if that's his favorite restaurant, then I'm going there, right? I'll, I'll give you a, a quick story. We we picked up a client, uh, Eagle Energy. I'll say, I'll say the client, right? It's a it's a um, it's vaping your caffeine, right? Or never heard of it in my life. Vaping vaping your caffeine, right? Okay. It's it's rocket, or it's like in. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there, right? Because that's the high school stuff you didn't want to talk about. <laughs> Right. Okay. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we'll do that in the session later. Right. Your your insurance is up to date. Yes. Okay. So, what what what's what's funny about this is, um, it's inhaling caffeine that's that's vaporized, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how to sell that. But I know a couple of DJs in Los Angeles on KLOS, which is a great rock station, mm-hmm. right? Just a flamethrower rock station. And so I talked to, to Frosty, Heidi, and Frank, the, are the hosts. And I said, what would you guys do with this? And they go, you know, Frank's like, I love it. <laughs> I love it, right? right? So here we have a choice. Is do I, as, a, as an agency, do I want to buy a 30-day schedule on KLOS, which is pricey? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't want to risk that kind of, of money when, when I don't know. But what we created, and it had never been done before, we, we created a one morning show takeover 
which okay. which meant we gave them the product, yep. and we and we did it the day after Cinco de Mayo, so they were well hungover, right? And the on the Monday radio <laughs> show, and they all week they were saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're not drinking any coffee on Monday. We're only going to inhale our caffeine." So they're they're seeding it. In addition to running, they're seeding. 100%. Beautiful. 100%. I love it. Right? That was free, too. It it was, right? (laughs) And this is the power of radio. And so these guys, uh, the three hosts, right, they're they're inhaling. And and we do fun things like Frosty tells incredibly boring stories, Mm -hmm. right? Incredibly boring. He gets teased by it. So Frank goes, I got to take six vapes for every one of your boring stories just to get through it. Right. And so and it's live and they're simulcasting. This is streaming in the video and they're showing the product. Right. Radio. Really? Radio does this radio streams and you can see. Yes. And so by the time we got done, I won't divulge the sales figures. They crushed it in the in that three hour, four hour block of show. Mm -hmm. They crushed it sales wise, convinced them that radio works when a product they never thought would work. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to roll out. That's the power that radio has, especially influencers. So how? So when you say influencers, a radio host was the original influencer, or forget that Jack Benny was it? He was the original yeah. influencer. Yeah. So yeah. we're just using different words in different formats to really talk about what we what's been happening. Yeah. It just takes a different little. Nothing's there, right? nothing's new, right? Yeah. Nothing yeah, is new. Yeah. I mean, guys, like you said, Jack Benny, people, half the people are going, who? Huh? Right. 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 Who's Jack Benny? Well, he had a radio show. Yeah. Right. In the twenties, I well, guess, the thirties. was buy this, you know, right. this PG soap and people bought it. it. Right. Because they, they projected. And they trusted him. They trusted, they projected this is make my life better. Right. 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 So when you talk about, um, that, uh, particular, um, incident, if you will, or mm-hmm. that, 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 that case study. So how does, so talk about when you're talking about a, a campaign, yeah. a, a performance based campaign, we are adding, you're layering radio to it and say we've, we've cracked the nut on the LA market. Okay. Which is huge. How does, how do you, now how does that benefit a company that's selling nationwide if it's, when you say rolling out, does that mean you're going to do the same thing with popular uh, radio show hosts in certain areas and just kind of re- duplicate that? And that, that way you're really targeting, yeah. you know, in the Cincinnati tri-state area of Kentucky and Cincinnati, there's a couple hundred thousand people you can get. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah. That's I mean, it, it does. Cause you can replicate the model. Okay. But what it tells you is that the endorser or the influencer DJ model will work right. for this okay. product. And that means I don't have to do a show, a morning show takeover oh, okay. every time I can just now run it to the DJs and have them in the morning show going, I don't have to drink, you know, five cups of coffee in my mornings anymore. Right. Cause, cause the DJs are like, they're up at three 30 to come right. in and do their shows. But you know, that's just a kind of an isolated example of, of what an influencer can do. The, right. the, the power of it is when you start to do national endorsers, you know, the, whether, whether you love them or hate them, you know, the Glenn Beck's and Rush Limbaugh's and Sean Hannity's and, um, and, and, you know, 25 or 30 others who are not all on the conservative spectrum, but all over the spectrum, mm-hmm. these guys have massive millions of listeners yeah. and it works. Right. And yeah. if you, you know, if you can get the right product to them and the right uh, messaging, it, it is rocket fuel on everything that you're touching. 
hmm. right? Your TV campaign will do better. Your digital will do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and something you said earlier, and then bring me back to podcasts because I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that, but yeah. is, is, is in the digital world, what are you seeing as far as people just can't, I mean, because we're seeing our clients, they stall out trying to compete with each other to spend X levels, right? right. You seeing the same thing? Yeah, we're seeing a couple of things. Two different. If you take the, the, um, tr- the, the direct-to-consumer companies, and those are the, you know, the, the people that are starting now that are, that are really um, disrupting the traditional world. Like, let's take a Dollar Shave Club. Totally disrupted. Our client, Gillette. our client, by the way. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I don't need to tell you that. They disrupted yeah. Gillette, right? Right. To the fact of Gillette had to like revamp their whole business and Unilever said, we'll just buy you because now we can compete with Gillette and I don't need to tell you the numbers. What it would take to a billion, I always say a billion dollars was a steal. Yeah. Was a steal when you yeah. think about what all the other products that they get. So we, we see those types of companies who launched on digital did some social but they're hitting a ceiling they're hitting a ceiling because digital is getting more and more expensive because there's more players you know it's 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 an auction based format right so whoever's paying the highest highest price is getting in there yeah so that puts some people out and if you're vc back the chain it maybe you have had a little bit more runway but you better start talking roi so now they get to these meetings and they go the investors say, okay, so what's our plan to double our business in 12 months? And they're, they're, they're scaling on uh, digital yeah. and social. And their eyes are rolling around the race around like, we better figure that out. Yeah. And then they then they go, oh, maybe TV. I think TV works. I mean, well, people watch it. And, <laughs> so so that, we're seeing yeah. that. And then the yeah. traditional people, and I'm going to say the traditional brands like the Keurigs and the Walls and the – you know the bit the the you know the the stalwarts the people that you know so they're feeling pressure because they still because there's so much data available today greg is that and you know this is that because there's so much data they need to have their marketing work dollar work harder for them yeah because they're saying okay you spent this what am I seeing? Where, where am I going? No longer is it okay to say, well, in six months, we're going to have POS data and we're going to, you know, target's going to go up by X percent. And like, okay, right. I guess. Right. Let me show you how I'm going to spend your $50 million. Well, those days are going. Yeah. Unless you have cash burning a hole in your pocket like these big companies do, that's fine. But what those companies are saying, okay, here's two things that's happening. One is Amazon is real. And Amazon is a real threat. It's a real business for these companies. They have their Amazon pages. But the problem is, is they're just a vendor. And they don't have first-tier data. And the hundreds of thousands of names that are going to Amazon, not back to me, is going to cost me in the long run. Mm-hmm. They're, they're understanding that. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, it's almost like it's good money now. And they don't really care what's going to happen in 10 years because they're, they're making money now. Yeah. But it's going to get to a point where it's just going to get so expensive to do business on Amazon. They're, they're realizing this because it is. Yeah. There's hidden costs that people don't understand. And then what, the other part of it is they go to retail. Yeah. And retail has its own challenges. 
but it is there is a bit of a resurgence. But what is that resurgence is um, it's masqueraded a little bit in what in private labeling. So if you go to Target or you go to Costco or you go to Walmart or you go to Whole Foods or you go to whatever, they have their private labels, which are good products, very comparable or even less price, Yeah. right? Have different terms. Bring it all back. It's ours. We'll give it to you. So those are starting to take more and more and more and more of the shelf space because it's more profitable. Right. Right. And then, so you're selling into those retail channels. Again, you're not, you don't have that first tier data. Right. So they're looking at it and going, well, when is this going to stop? Well, it's not going to stop because they don't care about you. They care about their business. It's not going to stop. So they're looking at it and saying, okay, we have to find another way to be sustainable. How do we sustain our own business? And that is a direct-to-consumer model. So those are the – there's a long explanation, but those are the two things that we're seeing. I get it. Yeah, it was a good explanation too. And mm-hmm. and the, the landscape has gotten so competitive for those digital dollars mm-hmm. that we have, we have people calling us and going – we hit the glass ceiling here. We can't get out of it. We can't get out of it. We're, and it's the costs are going up. Right. How do I leapfrog my competitors? Right. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, we have a client, uh, and then bring me back to Dollar Shave Club. Okay. Because Michael Dubin is just a genius, right? Yeah. Funniest guy I've ever worked with in my life. After you. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, Blink Home Security, Blink Security Cameras. Um, it is a great story, right? It, and, and they came to us about, Five years ago. And our first reaction is, well, the world needs another home security system, right? <laughs> right? But they're great guys. So how do, how do we help them? And what they, I think they were bumping up against as well was, how do we compete with people who are spending hundreds of millions of dollars, the big guys, who are killing us out there, right? And you can't compete with them on digital. Right. They'll outspend you uh, every day, right? Exactly. So you're getting Their lost. budget for one week is what they have for a year. 100%. Right. So. The ADTs and people like Yes, that. right? And so we said, radio. Radio is where we're going to take you. And they said, really? It was kind of, do people listen to radio? Yes, people listen to radio, <laughs> right? But here's where the psychology comes in. Because if, if we're sitting there going, all right, we we don't know if you're going to work yet, but we want to take you and do a two-prong test. We want to go to an influencer, mm-hmm. which means we want to find a talk show host. And we went to Dr. Laura at the time, yeah. right? And loved the product and all sorts of great things. And so she's talking about it and eh, it's working, right? But then as a therapist, you're going, all right, who speaks the, the, with the most confidence and integrity to whether a home security system works? The answer is a cop. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we went out and we found a cop and we found another cop and we said, would you put this to the test? Because the one thing cops will never tell you, but they told us they hate home security systems. And the reason they hate them is because they go off all the time by accident and they have to take their time to go out there and walk around at home for a false alarm. That's why cities charge you right. for false alarms. Right. So now we've we've given them these blank cameras and the cops are using them. They're going, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I have it on when I'm at the station. I have it on. I can check in on my kids when they get home. It gives me an alert when when somebody's walking around my house. If it's a problem, I can deal with it. Already sold. Already <laughs> sold. Already sold. Just by them saying that. And they and they went vertical and Amazon bottom. That's that's how big and and tremendously powerful they became. Right. 
on the back of radio. They didn't touch any other medium except digital and some mailing, right? right. They did some on direct the mail back of radio. on the back so of radio. So started in digital on the back of radio. And then um, I know they got some other moves coming up that they're going to get into other other areas yeah. too. Um, so it's interesting because because it's like here here's an, uh, a, a unique analogy that you might um, relate to. So Amazon built its business on the back of a Google. They did the most advertising on Google AdWords. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You ever heard of the company called Wish? Yes. Wish. If you, depending on who you listen to, it's like an eight to twelve billion dollar valuation, right? They built it on the back of Facebook. Hmm. So, because Google was getting was it's too expensive to be there, right? 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 And, you know, it's it's done its thing. Where there's still a little bit of playing in there, but that's where Amazon built this business. Wish is building on the back of Facebook, and other companies like who's done start launched on digital are building on the back of radio, eventually may build on the back of television, but it's these tiered steps of of a litmus test, if you will, uh-huh. to get them to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. It really is. And and that's where, you know, kind of radio and podcast play a really interesting role in this, right? Podcast. Yeah, let's talk about podcast because when okay. you say radio, you yeah. mean a bigger family, right? Audio. Oh. Audio. It's it's audio, right? And and so we specialize in audio. And podcast is popular. Yeah. And it's and it's the sort of the flavor of the month right now. But um, again, it's been around. Uh, audio blogged is what it was called in the eighties, right? So mm-hmm. everybody who's coming out of college now and going podcast is new and exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been around a long time. Right. Right. But it is taken on. But there's about six hundred thousand podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. And out of that, there are a handful of really good ones and meaningful ones, and you have to know what they are. Right. Um, but, but outside of that, it's really the, the power of the podcaster again. It's like oh. that radio host, right? Yeah. It's like if you were sitting here and you're talking about your book mm-hmm. and you're going, here's why, here's why this book is what every marketer should have. And people have been listening to you and following you for, they're going to go, I'm getting the book. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy says this is the book I need and it's going to make me a better, more successful person. They're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the podcaster can do for you. It's a little it's a little challenging. And the reason people don't understand radio is they think, well, the podcast is really trackable and really digital. And I can I can, you know, I know exactly what I'm getting. Yeah, you really don't really don't because mm-hmm. podcast numbers are very inflated on the downloads sometimes as much as 30 to 40 percent inflated wow. and so you're paying a premium for them and if you don't know which ones are inflated the integrity level is a little low in some of these situations mm-hmm. so you have to know which podcasts are working and which ones are not you have to know which hosts want to play ball with you mm-hmm. you have to know which which hosts will do a great read and use your product versus who will phone it in and and you'll get nothing out of it because it just, it lacks the integrity mm-hmm. To us, um, radio is still by far the best place to go if you want ROI on your investment for direct-to-consumer. Wow. Yeah. That, and that's why we love to layer it on top of a, um, a deliverable for yeah. our client. Because they come to us and say, we want to do, we want to build and scale our business. Yeah. But if you unpack that, <laughs> really what it means is, Get as many sales and, and do whatever their KPIs are, but they need to scale their business. And the only way you're going to do that is through 
digital, through social, through radio, through television. You pick, but would you agree that it's the story you tell that is is really the important thing? Because some people say, you know, we hear this all the time. I'm sure you've had it here all the time. Well, well, these guys charge less for their services. Oh my gosh, yeah, they, oh, all these, the time. These people do this and like. Or people say to us, they go, well, you know, we have this attribution tool and we have this optimization program. We have this SaaS product. I'm like, it doesn't do you any good if you don't have the message. Thank you. (laughs) It's layers of BS. Let's Let's just call it it what it is, right? I mean, we hear this all the time. And I, you know. I've been around this long enough to know that when everybody goes attribution model, we have this, this attribution model, this is a regression model, and it looks at these things and it gets into Google Analytics and it does an algorithm. And if it, no, you don't have that. You do not have that. I know every package is out there in the hemisphere, right? right. And some are better than others, but they are flawed, right? Mm-hmm. They're all flawed. So you have to start with that. And that's what's so hard for digitally minded people to get into is they just want to do this algebraic, here's where it is. And right. I know exactly what my spend and my ROI is and my costs are goods. And yeah. no, you don't. Yeah. You think you do, but you don't. Right. What you really want to focus on is what is my top of the funnel? What's my, what's my cost to acquire a new customer? Right. What's the value of that customer? And then how do we make that work right. throughout the channel, right? And how... Because all those tools don't mean jack diddly if no one's responding to anything. <laughs> Thank you. So you better right. get your story right. down straight, uh, right. which goes, which segues perfectly into the idea of the new science and ad creative. You, yeah. you, you, that's something that you guys talk about on your website, that science of ad creative. We, we kind of say it's our, you know, it's our years of experience, which we wrote a book about. Yeah. But tell me about the the, uh, the new science in ad creative. Yeah, and then and then I'll punctuate that with a story about a flower client because that tells that story. Um, what well, now that I can't wait to hear about flowers? It, it was that was the tease. It was back to back to my radio days, and back we'll be right after this message. So the. There's a Myers-Briggs is, is a test that we've used in, in the field of psychology forever. Mm-hmm. And it's by and large pretty accurate. I mean, it has its detractors, but everything does, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a personality inventory. And it, and it basically carves you up into about 12, yeah, roughly 12 different, you know, I know who you are based on how you answer certain questions. Right. So we like it. I mean, I like, I like the test. I used it as a therapist. And it, it always gives you a bit of a head start coming in to work with a client because you know a little bit more about them. But we, we were always so intrigued of, well, how do we sort of do a Myers-Briggs model for a client so that we understand what their what their consumers' personalities are, right? right? Okay. And so we have, so we can, if we can identify the, the largest block of your consumers are this personality type, how do we match that? with a radio audience. Now you obviously couldn't go out and do Myers-Briggs tests with to all these customers, or right. customers right? Right. So what we did is we developed a software that projects what it is based on the words that they use and w- when they're reviewing the social channels. So that goes back to your earlier point about okay, scrubbing. Awesome. Right? It's about scrubbing words and how people are phrasing things and and what we found is certain personality types use the same words as the other, as over and over. And so you saw these patterns emerge. And then we started scrubbing radio talk shows 
and DJs and looking for words that matched the personality types. So it was the content of the show and the personality that matched the consumer. And then when you marry those two together, you have a campaign that almost works every time. Wow. Right? It's really powerful. So how do we, putting this in practice with the flower guy. Okay. Right? So we picked up a flower vendor. I won't use their name, but but people would recognize it if they listen to radio and podcasts because we have them out there. But you've got pro flowers and 800 flowers and cherries, berries, and, you know, Vermont teddy bears and pajama grams. And they are all competing and outspending each other on social. So our flower guys coming into the market, they were on Shark Tank. We picked them up right after Shark Tank. And they said, we can't outspend those guys. They've been in the marketplace for 35 years. There's no way we can outspend them. So we brought a psychological approach to these guys. And and here's what we did. We had to differentiate their flowers from everybody else's flowers. And 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 flowers are kind of flowers. Mm-hmm. They do have a cool aspect where they're grown on the side of a volcano. That may be the tip that people are going, okay, okay. I know who they are. Yep. Right? That, but but that's part of how well, we differentiate it. It's, it's a story, story right? <laughs> um, but the second thing we did is... We threw a poison pill in the well in every commercial. And, and so, so here's the psychology of that is if I can communicate to the consumer that if you buy from one of those 800 flower giant guys, your wife or your mom or your Valentine are going to know you put no thought into this because that's just what everybody else does. Right, guilt's a powerful emotion. It is a powerful emotion, <laughs> and if you buy if you buy produce department flowers that smell like green onions, they're going to know you didn't care. Yep. Right. So it was the psycho- long weekend. Oh, it's going to be a horrible weekend. You get <laughs> get ready for the couch, right? And and so this this was one of those how to build up your client's product so it sounds great, and at the same time let the consumer know that you're going to drop a bomb here if you buy the wrong flowers and she's going to know you really don't care. Right. Cause it get into the psychology of why do guys send flowers? That's awesome. I mean, we don't want to really say why guys send flowers cause right. this is very G rated family stuff. Right. <laughs> but, but you get something bad or do something stupid. <laughs> right. Or you, or you know, or you want something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're very primitive people. Right. And if you, <laughs> we are Neanderthals <laughs> and we dragged our knuckles coming in. Right. So it's, it is just a matter of, of understanding what motivates people. So, so that makes me want to ask you about something you wanted me to remind you about, about the guy at Dollar Shave Club. Oh, yeah. Does yeah. It may not have anything to do with it, but I, I agree with you. He's, he's brilliant. I love the, I love the guy. Yeah. We, yeah. you know, um, I met Michael Dubin um, when they were in the incubator stage mm-hmm. and they had just done a radio show test and it, and it did not go well. A radio right. show test. They, they tried selling Dollar Shave Club. Right. They tried, they tried to, to throw it out. I mean, it didn't burn, right? It didn't yeah. crash and burn, but it didn't do great. And one of the things that, that I noticed in talking to Michael was he's one of the funniest human beings on the planet, right? And he created this, this really funny video. A, YouTube, yeah. Right, this YouTube, right, with the bear and the baby shaving the guy's head, and it's just it's a crack up. And so what what they had done on their on their commercials was they were trying to sell here's the attributes of the razor, 
in the radio commercials, but everybody knows what a razor is. Like you don't, why, why would you take 60 seconds explaining what a razor is? Right. Right. So instead we said, let's flip that model over. Here's the psychology. I'm not going to tell you hardly anything about the razor. I'm going to tell you with a DJ or a, or a talk show host saying we are all laughing our heads off at this video. It's got a bear. It's got a kid shaving a guy's head. It's this dollar shave club video. You have to go watch this video. And you can go see it at dollarshaveclub.com. And that's a 15 second commercial. So instead of, instead of trying to sell a product, sell the video, right? Remember top of funnel, top of funnel. That's, that's who top of funnel just looked a little different. Exactly. And so we drove millions of people to the website because it was funny. It went viral instantly. And the website did such a great job of converting Gillette bottom, right? I mean, how, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's not a bad story for Michael, but it all kind of stems off of don't get caught thinking like everybody else. Mm-hmm. If every other agency handles you and goes, we're going to write you a really good commercial about razor blades, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to sell the snot out of these razor blades because it's a good price. It's a it's a German <laughs> German sharp, right? Like everyone else, whatever said. that is, yeah. right? You know, right? But if you go, no, let don't waste your money doing sixty second ads. Let's use your humor and drive people to the website to see what you've done. So obviously, that was a um, a unique situation yeah. because they had a they had a uh, website. But what was the psychology aspect? in your thinking of how you were able to connect with that customer when you talk about the uh, ad creative? Well, I, I know that the customer, I know that people want to be entertained. I know that when you and I may be watching a YouTube video and, um, and it just is the funniest thing we ever saw, we're going to send it out to 10 people. Mm -hmm. You got to watch this, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you just take that group mentality and say, I'm just going to create a group right. and drive them into a funnel to see something hilarious. Right. Got it. Yeah. It, so, so in essence, you tapped into somebody's desire to be the smart guy to send out a video somewhere. You got it. You, you 100% picked up on the ego, but, but I'm the smart guy. I'm the funny guy. Ken sent this to me Ken, or whatever. We right? all want to be the guy that sent it out first. Yes. Got it. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I want to, I want to just talk about this dollar shave club because I use that a lot in my analogies when companies start to talk about doing a direct to consumer business. And I say dollar shave club, take, take away the YouTube and the, and the amazing creative, just take that away for a second. Yeah. It's a razor. Yeah. It's not, it's nothing, nothing different. It's not sexy. Right. But and if you break down, if you depending on the reports that you hear, um, they had a customer database of several million people who are willing to give them X amount of dollars a month to get a box on their doorstep. And they're on that list. And guess what? They deliver a good product. It's not the most amazing thing, but it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's it's they paid attention to me. It's clever packaging. I like it. It's I good enough. Good. I feel good. Right. Yeah. And. They, they, by doing that, they built this customer list of a couple million, whether they were, like I said, depending on who you listen to, whether they were profitable or not, the point is a bigger company sees them and says, wait a minute, you're disrupting what's happening here. Um, 
I'm just going to buy you. Yeah. If I buy you, then I just got two and a half million customers that now I can serve and sell all my other products under my, my portfolio, under my business. And I just leapfrogged one of the other big players in the business. And now it, by the time they get that big um, aircraft carrier turned around, it's too late. Yeah. It's too late. And now uh, everyone knows that Gillette's chasing their model and all that kind of stuff. But for what they, they built, the point I'm getting to is they built a customer, a direct-to-consumer channel of names that it doesn't matter what Amazon does and it doesn't matter what retail does. That two and a half million people is a lot of, at four or five dollars a month is a lot of money. Yeah. And then when somebody comes in and says, I want that, and they spend a lot of money for it, what would it cost that company to get two and a half million customers? Right. More than a billion dollars, yeah. a lot more time and a yeah. lot more opportunity costs. It's a it's a wonderful point. And and the, the ability to target and retarget and retarget that mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. and exponentially roll that into into a super valuable property is, is something we can't forget. Right. But I think I think there was a psychology playing at the very upper levels of Gillette. I don't know this to be sure, right? Nobody sat down with me and explained to me what transpired. I wasn't in the boardroom. My hunch is Gillette sat back and looked at Dollar Shave Club and said, this is a disruptor. We can't have this. Right. This is this is eating our lunch and we don't know how to stop it and we don't know how to do it. So they wanted to do it and they figured out this guy figured out a model we should have figured out years ago, but they didn't do it. The people who are good at direct to consumer marketing, you guys on the TV side and some of the digital work you're doing, those other things, you get it. People who understand the power of going direct to the consumer and moving them into your sales funnel, mm-hmm. get it. And those are the people who are winning. The people who are languishing are those that are digitally locked in, yep. trying to just you know battle this Google stuff to death. And I'm going to figure out how to make this extra dollar work. Buy another SaaS product. <laughs> right? Right. Right. And they're, and they're beating themselves up. If they would just allow their minds to open up for a second and go, mm-hmm. people do listen to radio. People are all over radio and all over podcasts. If I'm looking for a shopper, I'm going to hit them on a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday when they're out shopping. Like GNC is a great example with the other one of ours. And, and we, we looked at the, um, the psychology of when people work out most frequently and the psychology of when people shop for, for nutraceutical products and said, let's just own that time in radio. And just so you can't miss the GNC message. Don't mm-hmm. don't go shotgun millions of dollars out there and hope you get them. Right. Be smart about the money and then catch them when their mindset is peaked to want to go buy this product. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I'm just going to guess that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sundays. You know, it, it, it what you just said about, um, you know, retarget and retarget and retarget. Although that's a digital quote unquote word. It's really just talking to your customer, talk to your customer. So one of the things I say in, and I think that you relate to it when you talked earlier about, um, listen to the good and listen to the bad, Yeah. right? Listen to the good, listen to the bad. They'll tell you what, what it is. So I always say to the company, I said, what does it cost you to develop a new product? Hmm. 
let's just say you're a shaver company. What does it cost you to build? Well, you know, by the time you do the testing and the tooling and this and that, it's probably two and a half years and market testing and and all types of prototypes, six million dollars. Yeah. Hmm. And then what do you do? Well, then we we build it and then we go to we do hut studies and all this kind of stuff to see what people like about it. And I say, well, with all due respect, it kind of seems backwards. Why don't you just ask your customers what they want? Yeah. What do they like about the products? What do they dislike about it? And how about make that product? Right. And then you've just cut out five years of R&D and millions and millions of dollars. Now, if it doesn't work, you didn't lose three years and millions and millions of dollars. So I, I, I take that aspect of listening to the customer to a deeper level to say, okay, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make that work here with the message of what we're going to do today. Yeah. But we're going to take that, those learnings, and help you be successful in the future with other products and other things to keep it going. Because at the end of the day, direct-to-consumer is about long-term profitability and sustainability of a business. Yeah. Period. Right. Right? That's I mean, the value. If you can't figure that out... You won't need to worry about it yeah. five years later because you won't be around. You know, it's funny. You tell that story and it reminds me, I um, I sat in on focus groups for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so we worked with a couple of clients that were really, I don't want to use the name because I'm going to say something derisive about focus groups. Mm-hmm. And these guys were willing to spend um, upwards to fifty to $100,000 per focus group to have a group of people come in and have a moderator Ask them about the product and how you would describe the product and what do you like about this product? What don't you feel? Oh, how does it make you feel, right? Well, you know, I don't like it. And so I I watched a bunch of these and I saw a dynamic that was happening. And the dynamic that was happening is what every therapist knows about group therapy is the dynamic in the room will change depending on one person in the group. Right. I've seen it. You've seen it. Right. And so you've got this one guy in the room that's like, he's like, you know, I don't, I don't like right. it. And now the five other people who were influenced by him are like, well, I don't know if I like it either. Right. And now you're making hundreds of millions of dollars decisions based on a room of people who don't quite know what they like or don't like. Exactly. Just, well, you know, he kicked his dog when he wanted, and that's why he's unhappy that day. Right. Or, you know, or he had a run in with his oatmeal spoon when he was five. Right. I mean, <laughs> who knows what's going on with this guy. Right. <laughs> but he's negative. And now, and now you're killing your campaign and going off in a direction because you don't really know what you're getting. Whereas if you just slow it down and talk to intuitive people who know how to market stuff and get it out into the media, guys like you, guys that write about this stuff, Mm -hmm. you will learn so much more and you'll be way more on on target than you will trying to spend millions on focus groups. Absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree and appreciate that. So I'm going to ask you about intelligent audio media buying. And I think that goes back to to the point of understanding who's best going to represent your product. And that's where you, that's where that intelligent media buying comes into play. That's because I think that's something very, I've never heard anybody talk about it that way. Mm. So intelligent media buying spans everything from, you know, how you're going to write your creative and things we talked about, right. Right. Of scrubbing for words and and you, and you section, section the creative off, but then you have the strategy of where am I going with it and how much am I going to spend in, in audio to test it? Mm -hmm. 
Am I going to take a certain amount into podcasts? Am I going to take a certain amount over to SiriusXM for a national mm-hmm. test? A great platform, by the way, to do to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and if you know the channels that work on SiriusXM, you can avoid those that don't, mm-hmm. right? And people go, well, it's not commercial. Yes, it is commercial. It's, it's a very <laughs> it's a very commercial service, right? Yeah. So um, intelligent intelligent media buying is the is the total integration of the psychology of what's going to motivate people to do something and then playing matchmaker with if this is your consumer this is what they're going to listen to on the audio channels Mm -hmm. and this is what they're going to respond to in the way of creative and that and that's the behavioral ad creative aspect yeah yeah so psychology that runs beginning to end and then we also get into what are you saying to that consumer after we've gotten them to your website Right. Because this is where this is a handshake now. Yeah. Right. If you look at the radio or the the podcast, it's the it's the extension of the hand for a handshake. And who's going to pick that hand up on the other side of this? Incredibly important. And so what we'll often do is say, look, if you went to Glenn Beck as your spokesperson, Glenn Beck needs to be on your landing page. And he used to be there with a video greeting you. I need to know I'm in the right place. Exactly. This is the guy. Yeah, this is my guy. Yeah. He told me to come here, and there he is. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we do the same thing when we do a, a, a campaign where we say, listen, if you got him in, you've got him to the website, because we know that, you know, 65 to 70% of people are going to go there to check it out anyways. Once you have them there, you have – you you – Companies get into, and I think you'll relate to this, they get into all these things they want you to look at. Look at this. Look yeah. At that, look at this. And yeah. we call them doors, right? Yeah. They're just doors. And we say, you know what? No doors. We only want one door at the end of the hall. And that hall, that door is to where you purchase something. Get rid of all this other stuff out of the way. Get them there. And then open up the kimono of, once I've got you in the purchase cycle, yeah. now I'm going to say, which is you know, um, really average order value, right? Yeah. What else, what else can I layer on top of that? That is going to serve you. Yeah. That's going to complement what you've done. And I'm not, and there's that, there's a whole psychological. There is. I'm, I'm, where to I'm, stop. I'm right there. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm right there. So you, you'll take them, you'll, you'll take, say, make sure that you're not only all this time and effort and money and expertise we did to build the, the ad creative and our intelligent audio media buying, but, Let's get you all the way over the yeah. over the goal line, right? Let's go look at this part and make sure we're in the same place. Hundred percent, right? Because here's what happens: we we spend all this money, time, and attention on the front end or the top of that funnel. Mm-hmm. They show up at the website, and we start buying the sale back, right? And the way the way that happens is, we I want to buying the sale. Right. It's like, it's like I sold you. Now I'm buying it back from you and I'm going to push you out the door here without anything in your hand. And the reason they do that is they have to, they have to regurgitate everything we know about our product and everything everybody's ever said about it. And we're going to put it right in front of you, not realizing the human mind will take in three to five things and then derail. Completely derail. So if you're trying to to give them three or four or five more things to do or look or read or go and check this out, they will go and they will not buy your product. Come back. Right. And you'll wonder why the bounce rate is so high instead of just simplifying the message, 
repeat what they heard on the front end mm-hmm. and make the sale. Yeah. It's not that hard. I have to I have to say we just met with our SEO yeah. company this afternoon and you just gave me a great idea. We're talking clarity in our website, so I want to thank you for that. I'll You're write your check on the way out. For that. <laughs> but, but clarity. Will it clear? Cl- cl- what? <laughs> oh, will it clear? Yes. Okay. But it was just clarity of like, you know, why is someone – I'm just going to draft off this message. Why is somebody coming to us if, they, if they're looking for a direct-to-consumer? They want to know – what a direct-to-consumer campaign you can do for this. They can care less about how many awards, they can, how many people we have. You know, do people have dogs in the – are we dog-friendly or whatever? They can care less. What is, are you going to do for me in direct-to-consumer and, and just make it simple and make me understand? If, I, yeah. if I've got you going in different directions, which is what we've been doing. Yeah. It goes back to what you said earlier with, with Mr. Oreck. Yeah. When they get to that website, there's one question again. Tell me again how this makes my life better. Right. Right? Yeah. And then one more time, tell me again. And then tell me again. Right? <laughs> but if you're going, and it's this, and it's this, and, if, and it'll light your cigarette, and it'll, you know, and all the, uh, whatever we want to throw at people, right. it will derail the sale because they just want to know again. Tell me what you said again. And in terms of personal and business and business, it'd be, so tell me again how when I make the recommendation, I'm going to be smart at the office. Yeah. It's going to make me look smart. Yeah. Or tell me again that I buy this vacuum that uh, my husband's be happy because I didn't pay high price for it, or it's going to save me time to be with him or whatever. Yeah. Right? Or my wife the will think I'm the greatest husband in the world because right. I chose these flowers. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. In, yeah. So, so with radio and People out there talking about and, and trying to figure out if radio is the right thing, and they have this mindset of you know it's something that you know had two transistors and, and, and something they plugged into the wall. And their grandpa had it. Yeah. So so where does it go from here? Where, where is radio progressing? Where do you see that opportunity for your business, and how does it benefit marketers like the clients we both um, share and the ones that we have? Um, by ourselves. Yeah. That's a really good question. It's a really long question. So I'm going to boil that down to kind of like what we've been talking about is just tell me what I need to know to make my campaign better. Right. Cause that's mm-hmm. as marketers, that's what we want. Radio is this unique ability to tap into influencers in a way that most people don't understand an influencer. We look at an influencer um, in, in a, and we'll go spend a lot of money on a, on a digital campaign for an influencer, not realizing that they'll kind of, they'll post something, but the authenticity of it is hugely lacking and people see through it and the trust factor probably wasn't there and you've wasted a bunch of money. Radio is one of those very rare opportunities where you can do a 360 Degree view. So we'll come in and we'll take that radio influencer. They will use your product, not just read your commercial. They'll use it. They'll tell people why they love your product. They'll post pictures of it on their social channels and they have a big social following, right? Mm-hmm. Guys like Seacrest, when we did 23andMe with him, he's got millions of, mm-hmm. of followers, right? And he's posting amazing stuff about 23andMe. 
and, and then they'll do a video and you'll be able to post a video and you can take that video attribute and put it on your website. And so you have this 360 degree use of an influencer in a radio campaign that you don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's powerful. And I, and I think the disservice that we've done to young marketers coming out of school and taking these really good positions and really good companies is they just don't understand that radio is that powerful in podcast. I think that is one of the most um, uh, enlightening things that I heard today. Hmm. And I think that any direct-to-consumer company that's looking to drive a direct-to-consumer business or drive sales at Amazon or retail or whatever your KPIs are, understand that radio isn't just something that you're hearing. It's that 360 degree experience of negotiating the right deal with the right person, making sure they're doing it on their social channels, making they're doing it on video, making they're doing it on their podcast or the radio. I bet people don't know that. No. They don't no. they don't know that. And you would all say the business for 30 years and I didn't know that. That's interesting, right? Yeah. Because because you're I mean, you're kind of a media guru and you know so it says something that that wasn't on your radar. The other thing about radio that's that's so impressive, and, I, and this this goes deep into the core. I've been thinking about this for years. I'm going to share it, and mm-hmm. people can try to figure out what what makes sense about because I wrestled with this. But it's always been why is radio work when when other channels didn't? And I'm trying to figure it out, and I think I have it. People turn it tune into radio because it is inclusive. It brings you into an immediacy of a moment. Nobody wants to be alone. And what radio does for you, whether you're listening in the morning while you're getting ready for work or whether you're listening before you go to sleep, it's a friend who is with you and you're in a relationship at that moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas podcasts is on demand. They're not really there. They're not really here in this moment that you're in this right. moment, right? A podcast, they did it three weeks ago and you're just now getting it. Mm-hmm. Social, not even close to immediate. Mm-hmm. The only thing, you know, TV is powerful as it is, is. It's not immediate, right? And, right. you know, it's it was something that was recorded and it's running now. But radio is that one-on-one relationship that means I'm not alone. I'm, I am actually with you, listening to you right, right now, now. Right now. Yeah. Interesting. Because yeah. as you were saying that, Greg, I was thinking that, you know, what is television, you know, and especially television as a, as a um, medium, and then when it comes to the advertising, it's me talking at you. It is. I'm talking at you. Yeah. What you're talking about, you're including me in that little. It's interactive. That little. Mm, yeah. Totally, totally different. You know, when, when I direct somebody on television and we're doing a commercial, I always say, just try to connect to that person through, just try to make that connection to who you want to talk to. And that's great. But all the other things you have to do in that advertisement gets in the way mm. a little bit. I yeah. mean, the best actors in the world can, can connect, but then there's a lot of other stuff to do and yeah. you got to do all that stuff. But when radio or in podcasts, it's, I don't have to be out of there by a certain amount of time. I have this relationship. I, I, I'm just going to yeah. listen to what yeah. this person has to say. And if there's and if a commercial comes up, great. It's just integrated into part of what's happening. Yeah. You said something that I had a flashback when you said that. This is funny. The, remember high school days? No, I, oh. those, those are a blur. Okay. But um, <laughs> another, another day, right? Um, when, when I talked earlier in the show about 
going back and doing the host training, right? The, yes. And and I remember th- that he told me, and it was something I, I used today, and you just said it, which reminds me of the wisdom of when you when you direct somebody on your TV shoots, why that's wise. He said, he said, how many people do you think are listening to your radio signal at any given moment? And I said, well, our, our numbers, our Arbitron numbers say there's, you know, it's about 1.2 million. He goes, no, there's one. Mm-hmm. There's one. He goes, I want you to visualize one person right. and talk to one person in your audience. Because as soon as you start talking to one point something million, you'll lose everyone. Right. Same yeah. with TV. Same thing. Same thing. Interesting. Same thing. Um, so as you start to understand or, start, or to make these ideas or, or thoughts and, and quote unquote, prognostications about where it's all going. Yeah. Um, how do you see the fact that there's a lot of discussion about um, just how our behavioral um, days, of, I'm going to call it our customer journey throughout the day. We just behaviorally were changing. Yeah. And it's the latest app yeah. or whatever. How do you see... Um, that really fitting into the overall experience of selling something and where does radio fit in layer or is it just we just just don't know enough of what's coming down the line to disrupt it again Hmm. it's a really good question right and Mm -hmm. and i'll take a stab at what i believe is going to be happening with this we're being we're being pulled in many many different directions and and on demand obviously in the TV world and over the top box right and those type things and I'm glad I don't have to play in that arena mm-hmm. I'm just really glad that you can have that world yeah. um, radio has been radio since radio was invented it hasn't it hasn't changed it has a unique draw that's very emotional and very engaging and very immediate. Mm-hmm. The reason that radio is, and so you ask people, what do you think radio has been doing in the last few years? I think it's losing audience to go, oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's getting crushed. Automatically just getting crushed out there. No, it isn't. It's growing. And the reason radio is growing is because people are being bombarded with stuff they don't want. Yeah. And what they really want are relationships. They want engagement. Yeah. They want to listen to a friend talk to them in the morning. There are, there are other places. we're humans. Yeah. I mean, most <laughs> right. of us, right? Yeah. right we dra- we're knuckle draggers. But it's if you want to listen to music, you're not going to listen to the radio most often, right? You're going to get that off of your device. Spotify or right. right. People are tuned into radio for the relationship with that host or that Very DJ. Good point. That's what they're looking for, and nothing else will give it to right. you but radio. Right, right. Um, when I asked that question, I started thinking about what potentially could be disruptive. And I think you're going to be like a dog on a bone like this. If you agree that it's going to be that way, how do you see voice Alexa, Google home, Apple HomePod? How do you see, and now you've got Facebook and portal and everyone getting into that voice world. How do you see, or are you already progressing into that, into your business? Because it's the ultimate friction-free purchase, right? Yeah. Just do this. Right. And there's a lot of psychology that's being played around with on, um, I'm not sure I trust all of it, right, and what's going on with this. Um, but the data is already coming in that people are listening to their radio stations 
iHeart, um, who are who are big partners of ours and great partners, uh, will tell you that they are um, massively embedded in a successful way in all of this in the home speaker systems and the ones that are going into cars. Um, so we see it augmenting. But specifically, we're talking about. Alexa, yes. and you're, you're, you're making a command to make something happen. Right. Play, okay. play Kiss FM. Got it. Right. And that's what people are saying. Right. You know, play the Dodgers for me. Right. And, you know, tune in. And there, and that's what the, you know, it's just making it easier. So you're not reaching into the dashboard right. now. You're just telling your, your car or your home what it wants to play. So how do you, how do you see that fit into advertising? Uh, I wish I knew more about yeah. that, right? Because I, I, I think there's some nefarious stuff that can be happening with advertising, and it makes me nervous um, to have. I, and I know this sounds a little um, paranoid, yeah. right? I mean, to be to be a shrink. Um, I don't love home devices particularly because I, I'm not quite sure I trust them 100 percent of what of what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're very functional in a lot of great ways. Yeah. Doesn't mean I want it listening to me all the time, um, especially in a business setting where we're talking about you know client stuff and things that that are that is um proprietary right um you never you never quite know um but i but i think from an advertiser's perspective if you want to if you want your product available on a home speaker system uh on alexa you want to be on radio you want to be or you want to be on a podcast where where it's going to be well displayed there she is there she is. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is James here is uh, a graduate student from Chapman. Yeah. And uh, not a bad school. No. As a matter of fact, he just did his final thesis. Awesome, awesome young man. Um, I talk about Alexa to him, and he's like, I mean, his really his age group is like, don't even get me there. Telling you. And what, yeah. How old are you, James? 27. 27. And I'm 37, and that, yeah, that bothers me. And I'm 35. But (laughs) you didn't have to call that out. You didn't have to. I meant 45. Um, But right, but what does that mean to the younger people? Because they're just going to be, they're going to be filling that space even more. Yeah. And maybe there's a psychological advertising switcheroo you can do there about if you're thinking this. I'm already there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going there with you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting is that, um, I was asked that question once, and I, I really appreciate you giving me your, your thoughts on that. And it really fits into the direct consumer model for me mm-hmm. and for you even more. Because if this trend continues the way we think it's going to, and we who far who in the heck knows how far AI is going to go and all that kind of stuff, which is part of that spook factor. Um, your ability and your need to be able to tell your story yeah. is more important than ever because the next time I say, Alexa, order me a hamburger, yeah, guess who they're going to serve up? Their hamburger. So you better tell your story why your hamburger is better and you better brand. That's you true. better say, Alexa... <laughs> Order me a Sonic Burger. Yeah. Because if you don't say Sonic Burger and you don't brand and you don't tell why your product is better, they're just going to go buy a QSR and they're just going to take you out. They're going to get it at 7-Eleven. They're going to take you out. Yeah. They're going to go buy Burger King. And guess what? That's the burger you're getting. So I look at it as an opportunity to really tell your story, 
differentiate yourself from your your competitors and to brand. Yeah. You really drive that brand and because you can sell and brand at the same time. Do you agree with that? Hundred yeah. percent. I am. I am the anti-brand guy. Everybody that knows me knows that I. I tell people don't don't just waste brand dollars. Do do a direct to consumer branding campaign where you make money while you're branding. Right. You said something a second ago, and maybe and maybe I don't know how much time we. Have. I just want to just throw this out of one of the things we figured out a long time ago is why is it when we tell a story in a commercial, does it work? Instead of just throwing out the, the USPs, right? And this is who we are and this is what it costs and you'll get a free shipping, right? Instead of doing that, if you tell a story, people respond better to it. And so we started to look at that. And so we went back into looking at what we're taught in curriculum in, in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And it's tied to that because the one thing that every child loved the most was when the teacher read a story. Yeah. And so it engaged everything else went like this yeah. into the teacher talking. So what we started doing is go, let's be the teacher talking to this story. And and now what we found is the consumers go, oh, that's an interesting story. I want to listen to it. And and that's what we do in our business. Get that story about yeah. that product. Yeah. And how and tell that story and fit it into their lives. You know, it was, you, I just hit an image when you said that. If you went into a fourth grade class, right? Mm-hmm. Go in at 1030 in the morning and it's chaos. Yep. Right? Unless there's a lesson going on. It's still chaos. Go in at 1230 after lunch, story time. It, right. Right? Laser it's focus. It's a different world, right. right? You can The firemen could walk in and they're not even right. going to pay attention. Even the ADD kid is going... Right. You know, what's the story? Right. right? He, even even he is listening. Right. right. And, and that's what we all are. I mean, we're all kind of varying degrees of ADD out here. Yeah. And if you can grab somebody's attention with a great story, you have them through your commercial. Um, who was? Paul Harvey. <sighs> yeah. Were you, were you going there? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not psychic, but yeah. But that's, he was the ultimate. The and rest. That's why the, he was the most successful, yeah. I, I'm assuming. When he was alive, right? Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. We used to buy his commercials. You want to know what a, what a one-minute commercial spot cost in the 90s on Paul Harvey? In the 90s? Oh, my gosh. A couple hundred thousand. $350,000. It'd be $3 million today. It would be. And he crushed it for every one of our advertisers at $350,000 a spot. You know what? I, I use the Paul Harvey analogy to writers that I'm working with. Yeah. I say, just go pull up some Paul Harvey stuff and just, yeah. just listen, spend an hour and just, listen to just what he listen. has to say. Good day. Right. <laughs> right. And that's the way it was or whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. His, but he was that ultimate storyteller. Yeah. Right. And, and, and hence he had an audience. He had so much, I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate the time today. This that is was, fun. That was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I really learned a lot. And Thank I, you. I, I cannot wait to further our relationship and partnership to layer in on what we're doing together to how, how we can um, benefit each other. But most importantly, it benefit our clients because yeah. they are going to reap the benefits from it. And um, if we have um, the right, you have to have the right client that understood that wants to, that is willing to 
realize that things are changing and what what is and accept the fact that what old is new if you just pay attention to where it's going today that it can really really help the campaigns be, be well, more and more successful well said yeah. exactly it I appreciate it again. Likewise. And uh, if somebody wanted to learn about how they can get radio involved in their campaign, how do they get a hold of you? And what's the first step? Yeah, I mean, you go to our website. It's adcology, A-D-C-O-L-O-G-Y.com. And just ask us to chat. I mean, it doesn't cost anything, right? We, we love sharing ideas and wisdom. And even if you don't become a client, we'll give you some ideas, right? right? And if anybody is interested in listening um, to this podcast at another time, we're going to link it to our um, social channels. And then um, I would highly recommend that if they want to listen to it again, they can go to your LinkedIn and what's your identification at LinkedIn? Just if they just add college, add college or yeah. personally? Um, yeah, Dr. Cinnamon, which is really hard to spell, or spell just go to C Y N A U M O N. Right, common spelling. Okay, and yeah. then or at Apologies Facebook, fa- excuse me, LinkedIn. Right, and they'll be able to see it there. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. It was, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Likewise. All right.